Praise the Lord. If you brought a Bible, please go there in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. I'm going to read a few verses this morning. I shared on Wednesday night about the words of the Apostle Paul when he said to the Corinthian church, all things are yours. And I want to continue along that vein this morning. As we see the fullness of provision and abundance which has been made to the believer in Christ. When they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. And immediately when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing? And one of the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do it. And he answered them and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into convulsion, and falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has this happened to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can, question mark, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. And after crying out and throwing him into the terrible convulsion, it came out of him. And the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him, and he got up. And when he came into the house, his disciples began questioning him privately, why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, this kind, come out but by prayer. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the power of and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to preach the word. I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask you to anoint this congregation as they hear the word, that they might be stirred to faith and rise to do great things in the name of the Lord. We ask that in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to share with you this story from several perspectives this morning because there are many moving parts in this text which are interesting and important for us to study. You have in this scenario, in this moment in the life of Jesus, a man who has a son who has a chronic problem. His son has been possessed by the devil, by demon spirits. 
Now I want you to realize this morning that demon spirits are real. That they are powerful. That they are at work and active in the world today. They are not more powerful than God. Say amen, somebody. And they do not have free reign except when people give them access to their life. In this case, we see the life of this little boy being tormented by this demon spirit. The Bible tells us that this man brought the, the little boy to Jesus, but Jesus was not present. If you read the earlier part of the chapter, you will discover that Jesus was on the mountain up with his disciples at about three of them, and he was transfigured before them. He was giving them a revelation of his deity. And up on that mountain, Peter and John and Andrew saw Jesus pull back the veil of his humanity, and they saw the glory of God shining through him. They saw the Son of God in his glory, and they, they had this worship experience such as you and I would long for and desire to have. Then the Bible tells us that in the midst of that, Elijah and Moses appeared beside Jesus and they were talking to him. And so this was a moment in the ministry of Jesus when heaven touched earth. When things were, uh, were divine and human, when they were when they were heavenly and earthly all at the same time, and the disciples fell on their faces as, as dead men for fear of this extraordinary thing that they were witnessing. And finally, Peter spoke up in the midst of this incredible experience, and he said, Lord, it's not necessary for us to ever go off of this mountain. Let us just build three tabernacles right now, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and this will just, we'll just live here forever. And, and, and Moses, uh, Peter was expressing the, the great, awesome experience and the desire to stay in it and to be a part of that forever. But the fact was that uh, there were other things going on at the same time. Have you ever noticed that although sometimes God may be at work in one place, the devil is at work in another that even when there is glory and glory clouds and there are manifestations of incredible power and glory from God, that the enemy is always at work. He's trying his best to do his own thing. And he is at work at the bottom of the mountain in the life of this little boy. So the Bible says that the man brings him, but Jesus is not there. So the disciples try to cast out this devil. And I feel like this scene becomes a bit comical for the moment because they try to cast out the demon out of this this child out of this young man perhaps and they can't do it and while there is this ruckus and this uh this commotion an argument breaks out and you think about the the insanity of that that in the middle of trying to perform a deliverance there's an argument about religion and and ways, and I'm imagining people were saying, no, you got to do it like this. No, you got to do it like that. No, you have to do it like this. And, and I have heard these arguments before, having been a, a part of the deliverance ministry. One of the aspects of my ministry that God gave me was deliverance. I have seen quite a number of demon-possessed people, and I have seen them delivered by the power of the name of Jesus. Say amen, somebody. God still sets demon-possessed uh, people free. He still sets free the captive. That's the mission of Jesus for this world. 
And so I have had some experience with that. I'll tell you one story that uh, I experienced in Mexico. And uh, uh, just before I do that, my policy was always that I never allowed a demon to interrupt the service. So I wasn't going to stop preaching or stop uh, worshiping God just so that a demon could put on a show. So in this particular service, they brought uh, me a message. They said, there's a demon-possessed man here. And uh, we want you to pray for him. So I turned around and looked. I was standing in the front row. I turned around. The man was standing normally. He wasn't manifesting nothing uh, apparently wrong with him. So I said, all right, we'll pray for him in the altar call. Well, they didn't listen to me. They decided they're going to do this themselves. And so they took him out into this little metal building they had off to the side of the church. And I heard for the next 30 minutes as these people uh, beat that man against every wall in that building. And all you could hear was, bam, bam, bam. And then in Spanish, fuera, fuera, fuera. And I think that's what this looks like in this, uh, in this ninth chapter of Mark. People trying to deliver this boy. And then the, the argument breaks out. You're doing it wrong. You got to say Christ Jesus instead of Jesus Christ. You got to say, you got to have some olive oil. You got to pour down his mouth. You got to beat him with the Bible. There's all kinds of wrong ways to do this. Finally, they brought that man to me in the altar call, and he was delivered. And I thought, you know, if they would have just listened, if they would have just observed the fact that the demon doesn't have to control your life and he doesn't have the right to control a service. Come on, somebody. That you and I have authority and power in the name of Jesus. And the man was delivered. And I've seen many men and many women and young people delivered by the power of the name of Jesus. But this, this group of disciples was unable to deliver this boy. And I want to just talk to you about that for a moment because there may be some situations in your life which are which are persistent and chronic and don't seem to change. They don't seem to be getting any better. They don't seem to be improving. And it seems like that there is failure in the midst. It seems like it is just one disaster after another. You get involved in arguments, arguments with yourself, arguments with your spouse, arguments with your family, because these types of situations Things that stay in our life for a long time, they tend to make us tense and angry and frustrated. And they bring about uh, a friction in a home. They bring about friction in a job, friction in a marriage. And that's the situation the disciples find themselves in. They thought they knew what they were doing. They thought they had a handle on the situation, but they realized that they did not know what to do. Now, I want you to notice that there are some reasons for why they could not cast this demon out. And these same reasons exist in the church today, all over America and all over the world, where you see powerless Christianity. These same reasons exist. Notice with me, first of all, Jesus was absent from the story. When you and I try to do God's work without God's presence, it is doomed to failure. They could not cast out this demon because they were not in the presence of Jesus. And listen, friends, the Holy Spirit doesn't hang out in, in bar fights. The Holy Spirit doesn't hang out in arguments. He doesn't hang out in quarrels. He doesn't hang out in tension and in friction. He comes where there is unity. He comes where there is peace. He is present when there is an atmosphere that is prepared for him to work. 
And that's why many Christian homes never receive the breakthrough that they need or want because they do not have the presence of Jesus. And they don't have the presence of Jesus because they have not come into unity and into agreement about who Jesus is and what he can do in their life. Can I tell you, friend, the Bible says this, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. And it is there where the oil of the presence of God begins to flow. It is there where the anointing of the Spirit of God begins to move. And so you and I have to learn to lay aside our preferences and our, our, our own way in order to unite in the name of Jesus. Because listen to what the scripture says. Where two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus said, I will be in their midst. What does God say? I will be present every time my people unite around me. Listen, we're not here this morning to unite around the name Kingsway Church. We're not here this morning to unite around Pastor Isaac. We're not here this morning to unite again around a religious uh, thought or a religious ideology. We are here this morning not united by a political party or a political agenda. We are here this morning in the sacred, powerful, august, almighty name of Jesus. And when you and I gather in his name, guess what? He is in our midst and it's his presence that makes the difference listen it's the presence of God that makes the difference because when God is present every need gets met when God is present everybody gets ministered to when God is present things change when God is present demons tremble when God is, is present, chains break. When God is present, mindsets begin to shift and change in our life. And only in the presence of God can these things happen. And so this, this problem exists today as it did then. The second reason why they could not drive this demon out was the absence of faith. Now just look at the compounding problem. You have the absence of Jesus and then you have the absence of faith. When Jesus speaks to them, he calls them an unbelieving generation. He says, you lack faith. Now, I don't want you to get the idea this morning that you need a whole lot of faith to be able to see the glory of God. Because the fact is simply this, that if you have just a little bit of faith, you can move a mountain. That's what Jesus said. How many of you believe Jesus? Then say amen this morning. If you have just a little bit of faith, the faith the size of a mustard seed is all God needs. But many people, impress, in, in particular the people in this text, apparently they had no faith. Now I believe the reason they had no faith was because they were distracted by their quarrels. They were distracted by their arguments. They were distracted by their differences. They were distracted by the things that were visible, the things that were in the natural by the physical perspective, and so those things diminish the faith of the believer. It's possible that you had faith yesterday, but not have faith today. And you say, why? What happened to me? How come yesterday I moved a mountain, but today I can't move a molehill or an anthill? Well, because maybe today you started thinking about you can't. You started thinking about how difficult it is. You started thinking about how much you don't have. And instead of building up your faith, you started building up your unbelief. This morning, I want to challenge you to get into faith, get into believing God, get into trusting his word, take him at his word, and you will see the glory of God in your life. Somebody say amen in the house of God. 
where there is an absence of faith and an absence of Jesus, it's like having a car that has no gas in it. That thing isn't going anywhere. There's no power. There's no fuel. There's no ability to move. These disciples were trying to do something that can only be done by faith. Tell, say this with me. It can only be done by faith. Say it again. It can only be done by faith. You realize that faith pleases God. That's why the Apostle Paul makes the, the case in the epistles that God saved us by faith. Why? So that the glory will be of God and not of man. You see, if it can only be done by faith, then only God can get the glory. If it can be done by faith plus Isaac, then Isaac will get part of the glory. But if it can only be done by faith, then only God gets the glory. And so you and I have to realize this. This can only be done by faith. When you walk into life's challenges, when you go apply for a new job, when you go to make a decision about your children, when you go and speak to your doctor, and you realize there's bad news in this world. You need to know this can only be done by faith. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by the Spirit of God at work in my life. And I believe God. I believe His Word. And faith will make the difference in your life. The third thing that was absent was prayer. They had an absence of prayer. Now, I have just given you the perfect recipe for spiritual defeat every single time. Absence of Christ... The absence of faith and the absence of prayer will lead to defeat every time. They did not pray. Jesus said to them, this kind, this kind comes out only by prayer. Now what is prayer? Prayer is simply speaking to God. It is talking to God and making requests of God according to his promises and according to his word. But when prayer is absent, when you and I are disconnected from God, when there is no communication from God, the result can only be failure. Have you ever made a decision without prayer? It's not an altar call. I'm just asking a question. All right? I want you to reflect for a moment. Have you ever made a decision without prayer? And have you ever thought later, I should have prayed about that? I shouldn't have done it that way. We've all made decisions without prayer. I promise you, friends. The decisions we've made without prayer were failures. The decisions we made without prayer led to difficulty, led to the challenge uh, becoming greater in that circumstance. But do you realize the amazing power of prayer? When you and I pray, we are talking to the God of heaven, the creator of the universe. We are talking to our maker. We are talking to our master. But above that, we're talking to our father. And he has a disposition toward us. He has a good disposition toward us. What does that mean, preacher? That means that God has already uh, decided to bless you even before you pray. Say amen, somebody. God has already decided. He's predetermined that when you and I pray, that he's going to answer our prayer. He says that if we will pray in the name of Jesus, whatsoever thing we ask in his name will be given unto us. You can't beat that deal anywhere. That God says, come to me, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open unto you. Come on, you cannot find that anywhere else in the world. Everywhere else you go, there is going to have to be a 
consideration of the, of the resources. There's going to have to be a consideration of can we do this? And is it feasible? And is it the right time? And is it the right place? No, when you talk to God, he has all the resources. Say amen, somebody. He has everything that you need. All things belong to him. And you and I are joint heirs of God with Jesus. That means all things belong to us. And so when we pray, we already have the disposition of God to answer our prayer. But yet, the Bible tells us that they did not pray. This demon would have come out by prayer, by communication with God. So I want you to just look at those chronic situations in your life. Things where areas of your life where things just don't change. Where things seem to be just in a cycle, a repetitive cycle. And ask yourself, have I left out Christ? Have I left Jesus out of my life, out of my decision making? Have I left Jesus out of my, my worship? Have I, have I just gone through a routine and not really desired or pursued the presence of God? Then ask yourself, have I left faith out of my life? Have I left faith out of my family? Number three, have I, have I left prayer out? Have I stopped praying? Have I stopped waiting on God in prayer? Have I stopped looking and seeking the face of God in prayer? You realize, friends, that these three things are a recipe for defeat in your life. But if you just flip them around, they are a recipe for success in your spiritual life. If you will pursue the presence of Jesus, if you will pursue uh, the presence of God in your life, it will change your life. And if you will walk by faith, Instead of walking by sight, instead of walking by circumstances, instead of walking by the evidence of the flesh, if you will walk by faith, you will see the glory of God. And if you will pray, God will answer you when you pray. Say amen, somebody. Now, these men could not cast out this devil. And this situation is getting tense. It's getting hot. You have a demon-possessed boy. He don't have any help. He don't have any way to help himself. You have disciples who have no power. This is, this is the church. This is, this is the guys, right? They're the ones who walk with Jesus. They have no power. And then you have this father who is looking for a remedy, who is looking for a situation. And then you have the scribes and the Pharisees. And there's this big uh, argument going on. The good news is that Jesus is coming down off of the mountain. That Jesus is coming back into the situation. I've got some good news for you this morning. I don't know what's been going on in your life, but Jesus is coming to your life this morning, and his presence is going to make a difference in your life. Come on, somebody. This is, the, this is the best thing that could ever happen in your life is for Jesus to come walking in to your life. And so I want you just to get this scene. You can almost see the dust rising out of this quarrel, out of this defeat, out of this failure. And then off to the distance, you see Jesus coming, and he's walking in the direction of this problem. Jesus is not afraid of your problem. Jesus is not worried about your problem. Jesus is not uh, too small for your problem. He says, come unto me. Bring it to me. I'll solve it. I'll settle it. Come on, somebody. God is not afraid of your need. God is able to meet your need if you will believe him, if you will trust in him, if you will call on him. Aren't you glad that Jesus is not like that guy at the H-E-B who sees you and turns down the aisle real quick and then uh, tries to avoid saying hi or hello? No, Jesus is not like that. When he sees a problem, when he sees a need, he is ready to answer. He is ready to put his power at work in that situation. 
they came, uh, G- Jesus is coming to them, and they draw near to him. The Bible said they ran to him. Listen, friend, you need to run to Jesus this morning. You need to run to Jesus this morning. You've been running to, to Peter and Paul and everybody else. You've been running to uh, the, 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 uh, the situation and the quarrel. You've been running to the conflict and the heat. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus because, look, fighters are going to fight. Haters are going to hate. You go to Jesus. Let them argue if they want to. Let them waste their time if they want to. Let them lose their days if they want to. You have better things to do. You have, a, you have a God who is ready to act on your behalf. Come on, somebody. This is the day which God wants to work in your life. Run to Jesus. This man comes and he, he tattletales on the disciples. He says, I brought my son to the disciples. They couldn't do anything for him. And Jesus said, bring him to me. See, that's the answer. The presence of Jesus is the answer. He says, bring him to me. I want you to notice this. Because when Jesus said that, and they bring the boy forward, the boy goes into a manifestation of this demon spirit. And I want you to notice the things that are going on in this boy's life. The Bible said that when the demon spirit manifested, the following things happened. He began to tear at him. This demon on the inside started to tear at the boy. And then he started to push him down. He started to cry out. And the boy started foaming at the mouth because of the work of this demon in his life. Now, I have a a suspicion that if this happened in church this morning, some of you would uh, get a little, would back off a little bit, and others of you would get in a little close to see what was going on. Well, I don't know what this crowd did, but this boy was in trouble. And the fact is that the boy had just been brought to Jesus. And yet, even though he'd been brought to Jesus, things are getting worse in his life instead of better. And I need to address that with you this morning, because some of you think that if you bring something to Jesus, that in that very moment, things are going to get better. Sometimes things have to get worse before they can get better. Sometimes the devil will just send a a good old tornado into your life just after you called on God so that you can get discouraged by the decision that you've made. You've got to make up your mind. Nothing is stopping me from getting my miracle. Nothing is stopping me from getting what I need. And so when things look worse, listen, listen, listen. When things look worse, don't panic. Don't lose your faith. Just know this, God is at work and something is about to change. Something is about to give way in your life. Why do things get worse? Because this demon is fighting for what he wants. He's fighting for this boy. That's why things get worse sometimes. When you call on God, things get a little hotter because the enemy wants to keep what's his. He wants to keep what he thinks belongs to him. Now notice these these, uh, these, things. Conditions or these symptoms. Number one, the demon starts tearing at the boy. Every time deliverance takes place, there's a push and a pull. There's a tug of war between that devil, that demon spirit, and that that boy or that life. And the enemy does not want to let go of what he has held for a long time. Listen, sometimes demons come in because there are doors that are open for them to come in. And I want you to know how these doors are open. Listen, when you get mad at your husband or your wife and you don't, you don't settle that problem, you don't repent 
or, or uh, ask for forgiveness or get that problem settled emotionally before the end of the day. You carry that anger into the next day, and the Bible says you give room to the devil. You make a doorway for the devil to come in. You see, if, if you got mad this morning and you settle it by sunset tomorrow, the devil can't use today's mad against you. But if you get mad this morning and you don't settle it till Thursday, the devil has all those days of your week to get into your life and make things worse. And this is how he works. He gets in a little bit of an inch, and then he starts prying and pushing open. Before you know it, he's standing a full shoulder in your door, and then he's in your living room, and then he's in your kitchen, and then he's in your bedroom, and then you're coming to the pastor saying, there's a devil in my house. No, friend, you got to decide that I'm going to settle today's anger today. Listen, is there anybody listening this morning? Don't make room for the devil. Leave it, leave it in God's hands today. Settle it today. Seek forgiveness today. Seek repentance today. It's not a sin to get mad. It's, it's a problem when you get mad and you don't settle it God's way. Another way that the door is open for the devil is through the use of sinful substances. When you use a pornography or you use a drugs or you use alcohol, those things become a doorway for the devil to come into your life. When you listen to music, or you, you watch things on television that are not pleasing to God. That can become doorways into your life. That allow the enemy to come in and to sow seeds of fear and anxiety and worry and deception. And you and I have freedom from that at the moment that we call on Jesus. Listen, friend, I don't care how the door was open. The moment you call on Jesus, Jesus is the door to deliverance. Jesus is the door to freedom. Come on, somebody. Get this truth in your heart this morning. I don't care what led to this. This will end in Jesus' presence and in Jesus' name if you'll call on Jesus. But that devil is going to fight for his territory. Because he moved in in your house, and now he thinks it's his house. He moved into your family. Now he thinks it's his family. And you got to let him know this ain't your house. Just plain old Texas. This ain't your house. You have to make up your mind. I'm not going to let you keep what God gave me. But there's going to be a tug of war. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't panic over it. He's already lost. He already lost the battle. And he already lost the conflict. Say amen, somebody. And you have the victory in the name of Jesus. The next thing this demon does is that he pushed him down. So when you, when you come to Jesus, the enemy is going to try to pull you away. And he's going to try to push you down. He's going to try to discourage you. He's going to try to knock you down on the ground. He wants you to eat a little dust so that you can remember who you belong to. That this Jesus fellow isn't your, your master, that he's your master. But well, listen, friends, you just get right back on up because God has called you the head and not the tail. He's called you to go up and not down. Come on, somebody. He's called you to go above and not beneath. And this is God's plan for your life. The devil wants to push you down. And he does it with so many ways. He does it by offense. Oh, well, they didn't say hi to me. They must not like me. They must not want me in their church. They didn't greet me at the, at the store. He'll do it by causing you to, to, to uh, bear down on situations that are really small in your life. But he'll push you down by crying over spilt milk. 
Little things that don't even matter. Burn tortillas, burn toast, burn bacon, and it'll just ruin your whole day. And you've got to decide, I'm not going to be down about stuff that can't pick me up. I'm going to be down. Why should I be down by things that are, that are a refuse and ruin in my life? There is a God who is raising you up, and he is able to bring you up and out in the name of Jesus. Say amen, somebody. This is God's plan and purpose for your life. Then the demon started crying out. What does that mean? He started shouting. I want you to notice this. Every time the devil's about to lose ground, he starts talking a big game. He starts crying out. He's mine. This has happened in probably 70% of the demon-possessed cases that I have had where I have prayed for someone, and then that demon will start crying out. One time, one of these demons started crying out and laughing, laughing at me like he thought, you're not going to get this. Another time, there was a, a young lady that um, did, just looked as normal as a 15-year-old could look. I said, are you demon-possessed? She said, no, I don't think so. I said, all right, let me pray. So I started praying in the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit said, I want to pray against a jealous spirit. So I said to her, I'm going to pray against a jealous spirit. She said, you can't have her. All right, bingo. We found the demon. And that's what the demon does. He starts to cry out so that you think, that this voice, that this power is greater than you. Listen, the Bible said that the devil is like a roaring lion. And what does he do? He roars. He makes lots of noise. He cries out. He says, you can't have her. She doesn't belong to you. She belongs to me. This is my house. This is my money. This is my car. Listen, friend, nothing that the devil has ever said is true. The Bible said he was a liar from the beginning. So if he's moving his mouth, he's lying. You believe God. You believe the word. You believe the Holy Spirit. He is the truth. He is the life. Come on, somebody. Jesus is speaking. And he, listen, the devil cannot say anything to cancel out what Jesus has already said. What did Jesus say? He said, come out of him and do not come into him again. The word of Jesus is going to be fulfilled whatever the devil says. Come on, somebody. If you have a word from God, hell itself can't cancel it out. Hell itself can't change what God has spoken over your life. And then he starts foaming at the mouth. He starts trying to choke him out. He starts trying to choke that boy and take his life. This is what the Bible tells us about the enemy. That whenever faith comes into your life, whenever hope comes into your life, he'll try to choke out the word of God. He'll try to choke out the, the presence of God from your life. Listen, friend, don't let him do it. Don't let your circumstances and your problems and your adversities choke out the word of God in your life. The devil has already lost his battle. The demon has already lost his child. It's now only a matter of time. And he's going to be completely free. And he's going to have complete freedom in Christ. Now when this happens, Jesus says uh, to this father who had come to him saying, if you can do anything, help me please. He's desperate. He is in a, in a need that has been in for a long time. And he's tired. Anybody's ever cared for someone who is long-term sick? Or disabled. You know that you can get tired. It's a weary responsibility. Now I want you to imagine this family. They're going to go to a picnic. They're going to go burn some chicken. And 
and uh, play in the playground, and then all of a sudden this little boy has a convulsion. Or they're going to go to synagogue. And there they are dressed up for synagogue, and they're going to synagogue, they sit down in the synagogue, and suddenly in the middle of the, pr- of the sermon, the little boy has a convulsion. Their whole life is being managed by this demon spirit. This father's tired. He's worn out. He's tried everything. He says, Lord, if you can, have pity on us and help us. And Jesus says to him, if you can. What do you mean if? He says, all things are possible to those who believe. Did you hear that this morning? What was Jesus telling him? He was saying, get the if out of it. Tell your neighbor, take the if out of it. You know that if has cost you a lot of miracles. If has cost you victories. Because because you hear the promise of God, you say, well, if, if only. And that if has canceled out your faith in God and made you think, that it's about you getting into right circumstances or if the right things come along or if the right opportunity comes along. Friend, Jesus said to him the most powerful words this morning, all things are possible to him who believes. Do you realize what he's saying? He's saying that faith and believing in God has an omnipotence to it. All things are possible. Do you know the power of faith this morning? Do you know the power of simply believing God? The power of faith is an all things kind of power. It is an all things kind of power. Not a most things. Not some things. But all things. Is there a, is there a church in the house of God today? Or am I preaching to empty pews? I've said the kind of faith you and I have is an all things kind of faith. It is the kind of faith where if you believe God, listen, friend, faith can wash away your sin. Faith in God can make you fresh and clean and new if you will call on Jesus. That's the power of faith this morning, that if you'll come to God dirty and broken and abused and forsaken and forgotten, if you'll come to him a sinner, ruined and lost by faith, If you will confess Jesus as your Lord, he will wash you. He will cleanse you. He will make you new. He'll take out the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He will transform your life. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the saving power of God that can only be encountered by faith. Anybody in here saved by faith? If you believe God, faith is so powerful that you can be healed of disease. You can be restored in your body of infirmity, of disease, of affliction, which the enemy may have brought upon your life by simple faith in Jesus, by simple confidence in God. All things. What does that mean? That means that by faith you can receive the provision that you need for your family, that you can receive the job that you need and the higher pay that you need. And that you can receive the advantage and the, and the open doors that you need if you will believe God. By faith, you can have an effective ministry for the glory of God 
if you will believe. If you will believe, God will make you powerful in ministry. So that when you pray, there's answers to your prayer. So that when you preach, there's anointing behind your preaching. So that when you sing, there's anointing to break yokes in your singing. Am I speaking to a church in here that knows the power of faith, the power of believing God? He says, if, what if? Take the if out of it. All things are possible to him who believes. Are there any believers here this morning? Are there any believers here this morning? What do you believe? What do you believe? Here's what I want you to do. Make this a habit in your life. Every time a need comes into your life, every time a need comes into your life, get in the presence of God. Get in the presence of Jesus. Let him guide you, lead you, tell you what to say, tell you what to do. Get in the presence of God. Second thing, get into faith. And know what you believe. Get in the Bible. Get in the word of God. Because in it are the precious and magnificent promises of God. Some say there are as many as 8,000 promises in the Bible. Pastor, you want me to read 8,000 promises? Pastor, you want me to memorize 8,000 promises? No. I want you to find one promise because all you need is one. If you get into a situation in your life, go to the Word of God and see what has God said about this and then set your heart to believe what God has said. So if you get a diagnosis of sickness in your life, you go to the Word of God and you say, Lord, right here in your word, I read that by your stripes I am healed. And don't get off of that until you see the manifestation of God's power in your life. And if you have a financial need in your life, you go to the word of God. You say, Lord, right here I read in your word that it says that you shall supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. And you hold on to that word and believe it. Have a conviction about that truth. When temptation comes into your life, you go to the word of God and you read where it says that no temptation has overcome you, but such as is coming to man. And with every temptation, God has made a way of escape. And you hold on to that truth until you find victory over your temptation. Come on, somebody. You find and you believe the word of God. You realize how easily we fall for or put our faith in things that does not have any truth in it. People tell us, you know what, if you boil an aloe vera plant and you drink that tea, it will cure this, that, and the other. And there we are. And yet, the preacher says, all things are yours and all things are possible. And quotes to you the word of God and says, well, I, I, it might be true for him. No, you believe it. Because all things are possible for him that believes. Do you believe God? Then get the word of God and believe his promises. For they are rich with blessing. And listen, friend. In them is the provision that you need this morning. And finally, when you get into a problem, pray. Talk to God about it. Because this 
kind comes out but by prayer. But by seeking the presence of God in prayer. And seeking the will of God in prayer and the answer of God in prayer. And when you do that, you'll see that things begin to shift in your life. Now I want you to stand with me this morning. And I want you to come into this altar. Every person in here that says, Pastor, I have some things that need shifting in my life. I have some things that need changing in my life. And I need the presence of God this morning. And I need my faith to be activated toward God this morning. Would you come into this altar and let's believe God together. All things are possible. All things are possible. That means that whatever category you're in this morning of need, it's already been supplied. It's already been provided. All things are possible to him who believes. If you'll supply the belief, God will supply the possible. If you'll supply the faith, God will supply the, the work. He'll supply the miracle. Father, this morning we take the if out of our life, out of our relationship to you. We don't come this morning saying, if you can. We come this morning knowing that you can. Knowing that all things are ours because we belong to Christ. And if we belong to Christ, everything that is his is ours. Come on, begin to be bold in prayer this morning. Be bold in prayer this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for a release of miracle working power in the faith of your people. In Jesus' name, the sick are healed now in the name of Jesus. Satan, I command you to come out and let them be. Leave them alone. In the name of Jesus. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Victory belongs to the church. Victory belongs to the household of faith.